the first thing that pops to my mind is get a second opinion, get a second opinion, get a second opinion, get a second opinion, make sure that the doctors that you land with are working for you. Make sure that you click with them. And it turned out that I had one of the most fantastic teams for me. I had one of the most fantastic teams and I couldn't have asked. It ended up being an all-female team, which I didn't go in wanting an all. I just went in wanting the best physicians, male, female. The gynecologist oncologist who removed my ovaries and fallopian tubes was a male. He was phenomenal. Loved him. Great. So I really didn't care who did the surgery. I just wanted to make sure that whoever I did got me. So that's the first thing is make sure that you have a surgeon that you, that you really click with. And if you don't, and you've got questions and you think that they might not be right for you, find another doctor. It's not hurting anybody. Go and get another opinion. You can go back to the guy that you saw if that right. turns out to be the one that you liked. Fine. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Welcome to the Clip Out Podcast, episode 190. 190. This is Crystal no, O'Keefe. One. 191? 191. Episode 191. Are you sure? I'm going by your notes. I don't think that's what I had on my notes. It says 191 right here. It does say that. Episode 191. This is Crystal O'Keefe. This is Tom O'Keefe. We are consummate professionals. <laughs> We've just done so many. Yeah, we are. <laughs> that means we're nine weeks away from the big 200. That is true. Woo! Four years. All those other little babies out there. <laughs> so uh, where are we? Oh, so uh, Dr. Jen's back this week. She is. Yeah. Yes. And I think we have a new system for working with her schedule better. So, oh, my God, you guys. So many good questions. So many good questions. Yeah. Posted out there about like, hey, what are you guys struggling with? I guess that question was better asked than the last time I did because yeah. you guys brought the questions. Like in within 10 minutes, it was just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It was an, an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. And, and Dr. Jen was so excited. Uh, yeah. She can't wait to go through these questions with us. So every week we're going to be uh, setting those up. So if you don't hear yours this week, stay tuned yes. because it will be in the future. Correct. So, yeah. and then, uh, and then when we start to run low, we'll uh, we'll throw that out there again. Definitely. Now that we know how to ask it in a way that elicits a <laughs> a good response. Yes. So, not that the responses were bad the other time. No, but I just, just I think that people took my question the first time as like personal questions right. for Doctor Jen yeah. versus like hey, like advice. Yeah. 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 She's and, she's kind of like a sports psychology version of Ann Landers. So exactly. if you're like if you were like, do you have a question for Ann Landers? You wouldn't typically respond with like, where did you grow up? Right. Right. So right. It was that kind of. You know exactly nothing wrong with that question No just not just what, not we're, what we're looking for Yeah so <laughs> uh, so uh, Shameless plugs don't forget we are Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Google Podcasts, iHeart Tune in wherever you find podcasts you can find Us and if you find a good Place where we're not let uh, let me know And I'll totally fix it and uh, We also while you're finding your Podcast you should subscribe so you never miss an Episode and if you would be so kind as to leave A review that's always helpful As well so here's this week's review. It's a little bit of a journey. 
Okay. So I'm prepared. So this Let is. Let me put my sailor hat on. Yes. So this is from the one ram. Okay. Whatever that means. Okay. So, and it says, try not to be annoyed. Oh. I tried to give this podcast a chance because I heard all things Peloton, but uh, I'm five episodes in. I'm still annoyed. They just, and it just goes on and on and on. Because we didn't say Peloton correctly. That and like they don't like my jokes and they don't like your laugh and they don't like the. It, it we just, are just not for them. Yeah. And then it says dot 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 update. <laughs> <laughs> this update is a long time coming, but I kept listening and I freaking love you guys. <laughs> I look forward to every Friday and love the update. So we will grow on you. <laughs> If like, you let us. Like a fungus, <laughs> if you let us. So that's why you We're like the barnacles on a boat. Correct. <laughs> so uh, thank you for the nice review eventually. Hey, thanks for... You know, not a lot of people go back and, and say, hey, that mind change. True. So like whether it's us or anybody else, just that's cool of you to do. Yes. Like people don't typically do things like that. So yeah. just my hat's off to you for doing that. Especially because it's us, but also just anybody in general. Yeah. Yes. So, so thank nice, you. Yeah. And if you would like to leave a review, don't don't feel like you have to leave <laughs> a shitty review and then fix it later. <laughs> you could just start with the good one. Like that's okay too. Um, but uh, th- that helps people that are coming along after you to know that it's uh, worth checking out. Yeah. So also we have a Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash the clip out while you're there. Like the page, join the group. The group is where we post things like, "Do you got a question for Doctor Jen?" So that. It's another incentive to be in the group. And of course, our YouTube page, youtube.com slash the clip out, where you can see the interviews and the articles and the videos happening while we discuss them. So that's always nice. And uh, we have a newsletter that I remember to send out this week. Uh, and you can sign up for that at the clipout.com. So, oh, can I add one? Can I add one? I guess. Uh, I am starting to get involved in the clubhouse community, oh, and yeah. we are going to be going live every Sunday afternoon, 4 p.m. Central. So, if you have work, what we're going to do is kind of like a, a breakdown of the episode, all the topics. So, every Sunday, the episode that just came out, that's what we're going to discuss. It's like a post show wrap up. Yeah. So, join us if you're over on Clubhouse. If you don't know what Clubhouse is, look it up. If you're interested, um, I'll see if I can help you get an invite. Yeah. DM me. So, and uh, I can't do it because I don't have an iPhone. It's iPhone only. So, I'll just be hovering over her shoulder yelling things. Mm-hmm. Let's just. It's kind of fun, actually. It's kind of how I roll. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that is, there's all of that. Let's uh, let's dig in, shall we? Yes. Breaking news. So uh, joining us today from Run, Lift, and Live is John Mills. Hey, John, how's it going? How's it going? Woo! Uh, I love the energy. Yeah. It's a good day. It's a good day. Yes, it's a good day. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll start off with uh, a story from Business Insider about how the used Peloton market kind of threw a curveball at Peloton's plans to resell their bikes. Yeah. You noticed that? So John <laughs> did. John Foley said last year, we're going we're gonna to do this certified pre-owned program. And then... You know, a little while after he said that, he was on CNBC and he was like, well, we're going to have to delay <laughs> yeah. that because uh, John Foley's like, we're going to take trade-ins and resell the bikes. And then the free market was like, are you, though? <laughs> are you really? Yeah. Real? Well, because I mean, people started going after the bike pluses or preparing for when the bike plus was going right, to come out. Right. And so then they started putting their bikes up for sale. 
And these some people were getting like cost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were some people getting eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars for a bike. But I think this just kind of points to how incredible the demand is that even Peloton is like, oh, shit, we didn't we didn't know. Right. <laughs> we had no idea you were going to go that crazy, guys. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're really bad about like when we have something and like selling it on Craigslist. We're really bad because we're oh just my like, God, oh, we are the laziest. It's such the worst. Right. And and so so many times we're like, just take it to Goodwill or yeah, Vincent DePaul. Like, somebody or actually, can we're Vincent use DePaul it, people, but, you know, and, and so. It's and now, but we didn't with the bike because it was it was so easy. It was yeah. like like you're in it's it's like you're in the middle of typing the Craigslist <laughs> ad, and someone is like, I'll "Me, yeah." <laughs> I was even lazier than you guys because I saw people saying, "I just sold mine for fifteen hundred. I just sold mine for sixteen hundred and I was like, "No, they didn't. Just give me the seven hundred dollars back." <laughs> but it just kept going. I just sold mine for eighteen hundred. I yeah. just sold mine for. 15. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. So did you trade yours in? Yeah, I traded it in. Oh, John. I could have got double that and it would still have been less than what everybody else was getting. No, but here's a question. Uh, and I know it's a little unrelated, but, but I feel like it's kind of related. People have talked about how long it's taken to get their $700 back. Did you get yours back right away or was it like a long no. involved process? Do, do they no, st- I, I, got my, I got my $700 back literally within the last two weeks. So it took it was, a while. So it took a bit. Yeah, it took a bit. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and I feel good about uh, that I sold mine because the lady lives in uh, here in St. Louis and she uh, she is a nurse and um, I think she was a nurse, a physician's assistant. Something like that, yeah. Um, she worked in a hospital. She and had scrubs she, on, yeah, whatever and that means. Anyway, <laughs> and she loves the bike and it's great and she's happy. And I, and I waited awesome. until my bike was taken before yeah. she, or like before mine was delivered before she could take it. So all was well. In the world, that's so. awesome. You know, you know, it, it. What I noticed in this article is yeah. it. It mentions that even on the Peloton site, if you search on used bikes in their knowledge base, it tells you, "Oh, yeah, you should go to eBay or one of those Facebook <laughs> markets." You know, right? You know, go check one of those out. Yeah. We have none here. <laughs> but, no, I haven't. I Let's think eBay. I think it's an interesting thing to notice in light of the delivery delays. It is. Because one, I think some of it's probably being driven by that, that people are like, well, maybe let's go buy a used one. Yeah. But right. also that people are, even before the delivery delays had really become a problem, people were willing to pay essentially what a new bike costs to get a used bike because they just right. wanted it right then. And so right. that, I mean, that says a lot about the demand for the product it does right. and and you know i just feel so bad for this peloton discussion deli- delivery discussion group where they're just so like so upset that they haven't gotten their bikes and they're so angry and i get that they're right. angry like i don't i don't fault yeah. them for that at all but i just like like that like th- what we just talked about they need to right. get their bikes man they need they right. need to just hang on because there's a reason that this is happening there's a reason you can't find a used one right like they right. everyone loves them so right. hang in there. Yeah. Well, I was saying to somebody the other day, it's like, it, you know, if you can't get tickets to see Springsteen, you don't go, well, I guess I'll go see John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band instead. You don't. Like, so. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. Although, on, the same. <laughs> although on the dark side is a damn good song. <laughs> but it's not. But it's not Thunder Road. I'm gonna start doing bunny ears every time you go down the bunny, go down a rabbit hole. You're gonna get carpal tunnel bunny ears. That's what you're gonna get. So, 
<laughs> so we've established that even with the delays, Peloton's super popular. People are willing to pay full price for a four-year-old bike. They don't care. So what better time to downgrade right. the value of their stock? Right? <laughs> okay, so is, you, is UBS usually crabby? Like, do they just, are they like, what? I don't know anything about them. I don't know. We're I don't. holding you personally responsible for the decision, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, this particular analyst and UBS, I'm not as familiar with. You know, there are those analysts that are you're very consistently seeing. And, you know, this one I'm not as familiar with. So I'm not really sure. But, yeah, they downgraded them to sell. And it immediately affected the stock price, right? It, yeah. it dropped that day. So Did it bounce I mean, back? I don't even know where we are today. Let's see. I think we were back up another 6% today, closing oh, okay. somewhere around 156. So yeah, it, it bounced right back the very next day. But yeah, I I always find it interesting. Originally, I thought there's not as much power in an individual analyst putting <laughs> something out. But I mean, lately, like it's very consistent whenever the any analyst, you know, publishes a, an upgrade or a downgrade, there's an impact. Like I see it, right? So that was interesting. I'm going to declare myself as expected. I'm going to declare myself an analyst and then I'm just going to say good things about Peloton. Do you think that'll work? (laughs) Let's try it. Yeah. I don't know. Now, I don't know. I'm not a stock guy, but I figure, you know, I'm no Jim Cramer, but I think I can get things wrong just as frequently as he does. (laughs) And I'm just going to say, right. Should you be taking stock advice from a company that has BS right in the name? That seems like a ill-advised marketing decision. They also have a correction right in there, uh, this article, and they've had to fix the spelling of Chewy. I'm just saying. Wow. <laughs> That's not wow. exactly a difficult one. That right there explains why it bounced right back up. And that's- <laughs> and what, what's interesting to me is every time I see like, you know, the, the, the negatives relative to the stock price, I also in my group, we start having these discussions as to, OK, what caused it? What caused it? And because there's so much angst around the delivery issues, there's always an attempt to tie the stock m- movement to that the delivery and service issue. I haven't seen any tie yet. Even this to me was just the UBS statement. I still haven't seen any tie, you know, any real pain that Peloton has suffered because of that. Uh, I I have to agree, John. I, I don't think. It, yeah, it's like the hot trendy club that you can't get into. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's like there's a velvet rope and there's some, you know what I mean? And, and right. I, I, I think the scarcity is, is. As it's much as I hate in to their say favor. it, yeah, is making it sexier for some people. I think. I think right. the only thing they're really personally, the only thing that I think they're in danger of really messing up themselves is their customer service and how they're approaching this yeah. transparency, how they're yeah. approaching communications, this right. delivery. Just kidding. It's not really coming tomorrow. It's going to be another two two months. Or you know, texting that. people the morning of the scheduled delivery to say, oh, yeah, yeah, That's painful. Every time I hear that, I know, yeah. I know I put myself in that position. Like just, if I like, you know, I like bugged my local showroom person I remember like, like wiretapped that's not that's illegal you can't do that that's, not that kind of battle. it was all covert it was all covert <laughs> don't tell anybody at all insight he's but, in um, spy mode <laughs> but yeah I, I'm on the tread on the bike plus and, and they were always very kind and, and they were able to help me out but um but yeah, you imagine I could I can only imagine sitting home. Oh, yeah, it's coming today. Hey, they're not here. Let me call them up. 
what is two months from now? Like I, I can only imagine. I, I, I would yeah. cry. I would cry. I would rage and then I would cry. <laughs> right. Right. So I get it. And you're right. If if this translates somehow into service of existing bikes, the customer service thing, yeah, then we're talking about something else. I don't know if it does. I don't tend to call much, but I I, I have not I've only had one negative experience with their customer service and I think what's happening is their lower tier is less empowered than they used to be. And yeah. and so they're very inconsistent. Now the big thing in the Peloton delivery discussion group is now they don't get credits for whenever they don't get their bike on time. So everybody's posting about all these credits, right? So now everybody's asking about credits and now they're like, no more credits, no more credits for anybody. And so now people are losing their minds because they're like, well, so-and-so got credits. I want credits. So that's the next thing. So like this is the kind of thing that really gets to people. Well, and the other thing to remember, too, we talked about that ProPublica article a, a couple months back, but that a lot of these tier one support people you're talking to, they're not Peloton specific employees. It's been farmed out to a third party that handles phone calls for a lot of different companies. So, like, they're talking about Peloton on one phone call. They're talking about, you know, your local electric company on the next or Reebok or whatever, I, you know. And so they're also not going to be as knowledgeable or as dedicated because you're just one of a of hundred different companies they might right. have to represent. Yeah. So speaking of the customer service, this week there was a uh, quite a... A ruckus. A kerfuffle, if you will. Yes, because uh, somebody in the customer service department put in their first name and last name in the chat. So, like, typically, if you go chat with support, it just has their la- their first name and their last initial. Well, this person right. put the whole thing in. And then at one point, the person asked, like, well, so can I ask why people are getting their bike before me that ordered after me? The customer service re- representative reportedly said... You cannot. You can either get a refund or you can wait. Those are your choices. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and that just I thought, felt like my. That just felt like you took me back to the seventies, and my mother was talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> you can eat the green beans or you can eat nothing and go to bed. You can eat the back of Pick my one. hand. <laughs> Yeah. So I thought that it was not real because it was had both names in it. So I I kind of was like, oh, this is a bunch of she put on her little Nancy Drew investigator hat. I did. And went to work. I was like, excuse me, customer support over at Peloton. And they were like, hello. And I was like, yeah, so I have some questions. Here's what's going on. And I relayed everything and I sent them the screenshots of all of this. And they were like, yes, we do recognize this name. And I'm very sorry that this happened. And we cannot say whether, you know, this is actually real, but it doesn't necessarily look fake. And so I kind of came to the conclusion that it was real. Yeah. And I apologized to the dude because I was like, well. If, yeah, first, because it didn't fit the, the formatting for the name that you normally see. She was like, I don't think that this but is real. But they can type it in. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Oh, oh wow. so, yeah. And I hear that that guy doesn't work there anymore. That's so, what I heard. Oh. Yeah. Whoops. But that's a pretty douchey. It is. It is a douchey take. Yeah, and I get they're getting peppered, but like, oof, like you gotta, yeah. And the lady I had was super nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, she was afraid you're going to get fired. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a lot nicer to you ever since it happened to (laughs) you. 
So then uh, you found another article this week uh, asking, is Peloton just a commodity product, which I, like orange juice? What does that mean? I don't mean? even know what that means. What are they even asking? What is now, that? They're, 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 they're referencing commodity in, in this space to mean, is it just something that you can get anywhere? Like no. meaning any other any other company in this space, they're offering the exact same thing. Oh. That's how they reference that. Oh. You know, that's how they use that in the space. So, yeah, they're basically asking, what does it matter if you with the can't you go to Nordic track? It's the same bike. It has a cadence and no. it has, it has resistance and they play music. I mean, right. No, right. That's that's the point of the article. And then they go in to talk to. You know whether or not it is or isn't. They start to compare some things. What differentiates Peloton? And they come to the conclusion in here: the differentiation primarily is that they're aligned to kind of luxury status, luxury brand. People are saying, "I got to have that because that's what I see the celebrities and everyone else having." And that's what I hear from my friends, and that's what I see when I go to the mall and I see an Apple store or a Tesla dealership. Then I see a Peloton shop. So that luxury status, they're saying, kind of aligns to it. And then they're saying economies of scale because they have so many subscribers and then they, they've got uh, so many members allows them to create capabilities and functionality that maybe the other competitors don't quite have. But what it, it's interesting to me that they primarily focused on the luxury brand piece. They're Which, ba- basically saying, yeah, they are pretty much all the same other than that. I find fascinating that one that people still talk about Peloton like it's a luxury item. It's um, not. I mean, like, look, there are certainly people that can't afford it, and I, I oh, don't, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, mean yeah. to to talk down to them, but especially when you're talking about it in relation to other bikes, its price is comparable to um, except unless you buy just a really low end bike. Like, like their price is on par with what all of these bikes are charging. That's so, what kills me. So I don't get why the, why the perception is that it's quote unquote expensive when right. when it's comparable to everything else that's on the market. And right. there's a, I mean, shouldn't they get to charge a premium when they were the first ones to bring it to market? It was their freaking idea. Like, let's not forget that. Like, they they created an entire space. Well, and I feel like <laughs> asking if it's a commodity, it's like, okay, well, is 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 Nike a commodity? Because you can get the same thing in Ked. Uh, right, you know. Adidas. Yeah, right. or a hush his, puppy. His news article is a commodity <laughs> yeah. item. Is what you, it is. A Buster Brown, like it's gonna be the same. It's gonna right. cover your foot. That's but you true. Don't, you know, so or is NBC a commodity because it's? But they they have TV shows just like CBS does. Like I mean, right. I, I just like I they they they, they kind of position Peloton as yeah we know you were the first mover, but because people saw that you got all these competitors doing the same thing and some of them are really successful as well. So aren't you just a commodity? What differentiates you? Like that's kind of the that's basically what the article. When I see when I see Echelon and Nordic Track and all these other competitors, when I see them have their instructors on Good Morning America, right? And I see them uh, having their uh, have an entire stock market like thing like Peloton did when they were put on the Nasdaq. Right. Then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. I, I think you, when you're talking about the size of their audience and economy of scale, like I feel like the size of their audience is an issue, but I don't think it's economy of scale so much as it's almost like if everyone else you know is buying a Peloton, right? do you want to go join the other club? No, because you right? want to ride with your friends. Right. And so <laughs> like I think they've kind of reached critical mass and a tipping point in that regard in that 
you you don't want to be the the odd man out. And so I know we live in a world of like of like Apple versus Android, but this is almost like Apple versus Cricket wireless. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right like now, right I'm, now, like there there right. isn't there isn't a a Pepsi to their Coke. There's barely an RC Cola to their Coke. And the other, well, you know, oh, go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, I you know. What I think, I still believe this, and I know that a, a lot of people probably don't, but I, I still believe that the social elements of Peloton are so huge. Mm-hmm. I think that's a core element that differentiates them. Yeah. When you say social, people start thinking about the OPMP. And I'm not really talking about the OPMP specifically. I'm talking about the other thousands of Facebook groups that are out there relative to Peloton. I'm talking about the number of people that are mm-hmm. in these thousands of Facebook groups that yeah. were spawn off Peloton. I'm talking about how many people are following them and other uh, folks on Instagram relative to Peloton, none of those things do you see on any of those other products. Right. Not even to a small percentage of it. Like it's 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 they're vastly ahead of all of those other. Yeah, by order of magnitude. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say, John. Like I haven't seen any of those other companies start up a podcast because right. no one is compelled to talk about it. They're not, right. I, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't or can't buy another bike and still be part of the Peloton community. I'm just saying if we're talking about is the Peloton bike itself worth it. That's what you're that's part of what you're buying into. You're right. you're buying all of that, the community, the experience, everything. And back to our I'm, second story, I feel like that's the part the analysts like repeatedly miss when they, they right. just see it as a hardware product. Agreed. Right. I mean, I mean, you think of Echelon. I mean, they, I think they're they're producing like two to three times the number of classes, class content. According to them, I know <laughs> then, yeah. that, that side eye was at them, not you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to the, I don't know how much you could believe that when we go back to the whole Amazon bike thing. Right. right. I don't know how much you can believe that, but that's what they say. And I mean, they've got music and live classes and, and a leaderboard. So, I mean, if you're thinking about it from that perspective, you're like, OK, Maybe it's a commodity product, but when you, once you start thinking about the social element, I mean, Echelon doesn't have any of that. No, no not at all. And they never will no. because it didn't get created by Peloton. It got created by the people. And, right. And it you happened can't, organically. You can't, yeah. you can't reproduce that shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. And then uh, finally, before we let you go, uh, there was an interesting movement from Universal Music Group this week. Yeah, you see that? Yeah, because you posted deal. it. <laughs> the deal with Equinox. Yeah, so so wow. they're saying like, oh, they can now they have all this ability to watch certain programming like Netflix and things like that. Is that is that what? It's not only that; it's also it's also a music licensing deal. So it's giving them greater access to the music content. But see, I don't, I don't, I want to dig into that more because I don't quite understand how that works. If you just license with uh, uh, UMG, like what can't you play? But everything beyond that, they've got some type of music licensing deal. But along with that, there's other content. And I think that's what you were referring to. I found it interesting, um, number one, that they're going that route as a means to allow their various platform to play more content, which is used on the soul cycle at home bike. So I saw this as a, a push to get more people to get that soul cycle bike and secondly i found the piece about i think it was is it netflix the piece about that interesting in that you you'll be able to see 
that Netflix content on the bike. So then I went, oh, who else does that? Well, Nordic Track does. So does Bowflex. Okay. And I know that there are a lot of people that think this is something Peloton needs to do. And I know you asked that question as well, John. But I argue the counterpoint that that's exactly what Peloton doesn't want. That's a differentiator because they want you to be engaged. They don't want you to half-ass it. They want your whole ass there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I want it's, ass your ass. It's the, the ins- it's the instructors that make it sticky. It's the social community, but it's the instructors that make it sticky. Ultimately, I can and, go to any gym in the world right. and watch TV. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think the thought process. I, I feel like that's an old mental, an old world mentality about workout equipment. About like, oh, you watch TV or you watch CNN or you watch the right. game while you pedal on your bike or you run on your tread. And and there are certainly people that still want to do it, but I think. I think Peloton is prepared to let those people go away to other companies because the people that have passion for the product are the people that are actually engaging with the content, not people that are binge watching Game of Thrones while they pedal away. And right, so, you, you, that makes sense that that would be um, anti to what they're trying to get you to do, which right. is be engaged into what they're creating and those instructors that are providing the content. So I, I get it. That makes a lot of sense to me. And for me, like I want to be engaged that way. Yeah. I, you know, it works perfect for me. I, but my mind, I, my question in my group was, is, does everybody think like me? Like, I don't know. Is, is, am I like the smaller percentage? Is there, I don't know. I didn't know. Is there like 80% of the people that are going, you know what? I need to get this, uh, this binge walk watching in. And so can I do it while I work out? Like, is that happening? I think there's a certain type of person. I don't feel like it's a majority. And the reason I don't think it's a majority is because I think I have talked to so many people in the last, I mean, you've talked to a lot of people ever since you had your Peloton, right? And right. I worked out before I got the Peloton, but you know what? I never stuck with it. And the whole reason... We had an elliptical in front of a flat screen so you could watch TV while you did it. And and I didn't didn't. do it because because I want to be trained. I want to have somebody tell me, do do a a sprint for this long, do whatever interval. And I need that. So so I that's that's what makes me come back. My prediction, right. if Peloton were to allow people to access Netflix and Hulu and things like that on the bike, their churn rate would go up. Really? Yeah, because I, I think what would happen is a certain number of people would be like, well, I, I, I'll do a, a, a free run or a free ride or whatever you guys call it and knock out these last two episodes of, you know, uh, I don't know, Stranger Things. Right. And, and then, oh, well, now it wants me to roll into this other thing. I'll watch that next time. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just watch Stranger Things when I'm on the bike. And then the next thing right. you know, it's two other shows. And now they're not engaged with Peloton oh, itself. Sense. And then and then they fall off the wagon because they're not getting engaged with an Alley right. Love or Robin Arzan or what have yep. you. And that they, they fall into old habits. And, and now it's like, well, I need to watch Stranger Things, but I can do it on TV in front of the couch or on the couch. Right. And, well, and, I'll, and I'll give you another example. Whenever I was doing my marathon on the tread, I yeah. did that entire day because I'm I'm a turtle and I did that entire day doing classes. I didn't right. I didn't like just yeah. go and do a just run. And, right. and you know what? It kept me engaged because I was I listening to the instructors finished if you'd been watching TV. I don't either. And <laughs> right. I was right. getting high fives from my mm-hmm. friends and that yep. literally cheered me on and whenever the last class the last two classes i did was like when robin does the uh, new york city marathon um what do you call it 
reimagining, like it's a oh, like virtual, the, yeah, recreation. Yes, of it. okay, yeah. That that was my second to last run, and that shit was powerful. Like, and yeah. I was I was dying, and like she was, I I felt like I was there with her. I don't get that from a TV show. No. I don't get right. that from a TV show. See, that's that's interesting. I mean, this the whole the concept of Peloton would not want this because it would pull people from engaging in their content, which might, like you said, uh, Tom create greater churn because they wouldn't they wouldn't see the same value maybe they fall off i hadn't even thought of that yeah. i was just thinking there, there's probably multiple types of people and somebody wants it and somebody doesn't and not thinking from a peloton perspective yeah, i think they'd that rather sense. they'd rather give up the person that wants it for fear of losing the person that gets sucked into it yeah. i think i think that's a bigger long-term if i was them that would be my bigger long-term concern rather right. than losing a couple people that like no i gotta be able to watch netflix if that's yeah. that important to you then you can hang a flat screen in front of it they're exactly. not that expensive if you can afford a peloton you can probably afford a 32 inch tv to hang in front of it these days that's right so well thank you so much for joining us before we let you go remind everybody where they can find you well they can find me on in my facebook group or page run lift and live they can find me on instagram run lift and live or at run lift and if you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture size yes none of that with hero bread no because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs they have like no substance to it <laughs> it's like eating air it is and hero bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread like i did not feel like i was giving up something i was surprised at how big each slice of bread was here's the real test of a piece of bread <laughs> i didn't make a sandwich with these i just had toast which you love because you have toast almost every day i do it was the <laughs> best textured bread of this sort that i've ever had and if you're doing the math it's zero to one grams of net carbs zero gram sugar and high in fiber so don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away a hundred or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, and they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clipout listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. 
An interesting article from Your Tango is Peloton, the future of online dating. Now, I'm a little confused because I think, I mean, it's a good looking bike. I don't think I'd want to have sex with one. So what, where, what, where, where are That's we going? That's not really what they were going for. We're, it was like to find somebody that you would want to date. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense because that would chafe. It, yeah. Yeah. Mm, it would, I and, do that. and also, I should really put this out there so people are aware. I'm pretty sure it voids your warranty. <laughs> so. Ew. Um, okay, so this article really cracked me up because uh, it talks about how people are using the high five to flirt with people. <laughs> And so uh, then then if you if you're having a good experience with the high fiving, apparently the next like level is to then video chat with them. Oh. And then, you know, you can like get to the point where you're talking online and then eventually dating. Now, and then once we... the pandemic's over, you can get sweaty in person. <laughs> now, we know pillow couples like there are lots yeah. of people who have met in the Peloton world. So maybe this should have been obvious to me, but it wasn't. So I put out my own little like what the hell guys right. fill me in and I got so many fascinating comments like first of all we're going to have to come back and do a whole conversation about this uh, I was even thinking maybe this should be like a Valentine's Day special <laughs> um, but I'm digressing the clip out dating game <laughs> <laughs> I and was just next thinking... year we can do the clip out <laughs> newlywed game. <laughs> I was just thinking they could all come on and talk about their experiences. But there were some very interesting things. Apparently, people change their locations to flirt with people, too. So like one person was telling me about an unwelcome advance where a man changed his leaderboard location to say uh, looking good today and her leaderboard name. Oh, I thought it was like my location in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she did not care for that advance. It creeped yes, her out, which would... I, I can't say that I really blame her. No, I don't either. And that's the thing. Like if you if you go around high fiving people like crazy, now you look like a weirdo. Yeah. So then this other guy was telling me that he high fives all the cute chicks. And I was like, what exactly does that mean? I was like, he was like, well, if they high five more than once, then like we're flirting. And I was like, I high five my friends more than once in a ride all the time. But I guess you already know them. I guess, but like I high five people like if people are above me or below me on the leaderboard and I don't have it filtered, I just high five at random. Like right. I'm just like, hey, support for you, support for you, support all around. Like right. I don't I, there's no discrimination. And so um, I did check with the Fred mm -hmm. and I did did I did in fact high five him multiple times uh -oh. and I let him know I was not flirting and I said I have high fived your wife multiple times and I was not flirting with her either it has never occurred to me to use the high five button to flirt so which is good because you've not high fived me one time you're not on the bike oh well there's that if you're gonna get technical also the instructors are on the bike sometimes high fiving us like when they're not on rides and they see people on okay so well they're let not me flirting just with us spoiler alert no instructor is flirting with you. Exactly. If, if, if you've been high fived by by Robin and you're like, is Robin flirting with no. me? Let me let let me make it very clear. No, right. she is not. I also found it interesting that after talking about this article, several women were kind of creeped out by the whole thing now. Like, they're like, I may never high five again. <laughs> and I was like, don't do that, because I don't think everyone's seeing it as a flirt. Like, I think there's a there's a percentage of people which I want to talk to them all. Totally. <laughs> but I don't think it's everybody. Now, if you if you'll hearken back 
all the way to when John Foley first announced the high five on stage with us. I, I, might I add, remember right? I was there. And I know because it was us. We're a, <laughs> we're a thing. We flirt without a Peloton in between us. And uh, I said at the time, are you going to create a feature for if somebody passes you? You did. You can give them the finger. You did. And so now I'm like, I think you need that feature more than ever. So if somebody high fives you too many times. You can flip them off. Yeah. So now you can flip them off whether they're passing you or throwing a pass at you. Yeah. Like either way, if it's an unwelcome advance, either on your left or they have flirted, flip them off. Give them the bird. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. John Foley seemed to think there would be additional gestures in the future, but he did not. He did not commit to any specific ones. So who knows? You never know. Watch the space. (laughs) We will be the first to tell you. And I still think we need to follow up on this dating thing. I'm fascinated. (laughs) Should I be worried? No. Okay. I'm fascinated what they do. You're awful interested in dating all of a sudden. Because it's it's crazy to me that a picture (laughs) this big is getting people to flirt. I'm like, well, you guys need. I I think the pandemic has some people really (laughs) sequestered. That that is true. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about the stacking feature and what counts in the new stacking challenge. Yeah, I think we talked about the stacking feature in general last Mm -hmm. week that it was new. uh, And I put a tutorial out in case anyone has questions about it. But um, there's a new stacking challenge and you have to take like six classes um, from like January 18th through February 1st, I think. Okay. And um, and then you get a stacking badge. But the interesting thing is, is that it says in the fine print that it's cardio and strength classes. Now, the interesting thing is not <laughs> running and bike classes don't appear to count. For everyone at the very least, like like there needs to at least be one class in your stack that counts as a strength or a class titled as cardio, which is confusing because running and biking are cardio. Right. Yeah. So people have been a little confused by that. So if your stacks are not working to get you credit toward the stacking challenge, make sure that you have a strength or a class titled as cardio in your stack gotcha. for it to work. An important clarification. Mm -hmm. Getting this psychological edge with Dr. Jen. So back again via the magic of ZoomTube is Dr. Jen Mann, licensed marriage, family and child therapist and sports psychology consultant. You may know her from VH1's Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen or VH1's Family Therapy with Dr. Jen, her long running radio show, The Dr. Jen Show. She's written four best-selling books, including The Relationship Fix, Dr. Jen's Six-Step Guide to Improving Communication, Connection, and Intimacy. Dr. Jen, hi. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks You're- for coming back. Yeah. We greatly appreciate it. So so we put out into the clip-out verse, that's <laughs> what I'm calling it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> asking people if they had any questions for you, and man, did, did they, they come through? Yeah. So uh, love that. So and all we love it too because it makes our job easier. <laughs> so like let's be like like I don't like it sounds altruistic like we just want it but no like it sounds, like Crystal wants to help people I just want to do less work and so. <laughs> This is what makes and us I a, want to help people. Yeah, so it all so, works out well. Exactly. Yeah, two out of three ain't bad, like meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> and it stands to reason I'm the one who's built like meatloaf. Okay. So so this one is from Sally Hil- Hilger. I, I hope I'm saying that right. I always thought it was Hilger. But Hilger. Okay. Okay. One of Sally. us. Sally. 
Sally. One of us okay, got right. Sally. Yeah, <laughs> I struggle with all or nothing thinking. I get anxious before a planned hard workout and psych myself out. I don't want to do it unless I feel perfectly rested, which is almost never. I'm always concerned that I won't be able to give my all in a workout and bonk, and so I end up procrastinating, taking too many rest days each week, which does not help my performance anyway. It, it just and just that kind of a cycle. So uh, turn that into a I, question and answer it. <laughs> I, look, I, I think a lot of people will relate to this question because I, I think do. that all enough all or nothing thinking is one of our biggest enemies. And I think that in, you know, I don't know if it's just sort of the Peloton crowd that I follow in particular, because there are a lot of tribes within Peloton, but most of the people who I encounter who are like really into Peloton are pretty type A. And I think also right now we're in a pandemic. So the stress level is higher than ever. So I think right now, whatever we are, we have a tendency to be more of right now. And whatever coping skills we use to get through difficult moments, whether it is perfectionism, whether it is being hard on ourselves, like whatever it is that we typically do, we're probably doing a lot more of now. The flip side, the positive of this is that there's no better time in a pandemic to learn new skills because first of all, most of us are at home right now. And if you can, my my motto these days is if you can do it in a pandemic, you can do it anytime. So if you are able to learn the skills now you will be able to do this for life. So where you need to put your effort in is in changing your thinking. And it sounds like a part of you recognizes that your thinking is unhealthy, that it's actually sabotaging you, that when you're that much of a perfectionist and you demand that much of yourself, then oftentimes it backfires. And I think, you know, I agree with 99.99% of pretty much everything my Peloton instructors say, (laughs) you know, there is one thing that they say repeatedly that I don't agree with that, that pertains to this. And that is how you do something is how you do everything. And I don't agree with that. And I think that there are times where you should not do it 150%. And I think, you know what, I don't need to sweep my floors in a pandemic with giving it 110%. (laughs) Like sometimes I need to do a workout where I'm giving 50% instead of 100% because that's good self-care. And I think that it's really important to focus on changing the all or nothing thinking and to first of all, recognize it's backfiring. You're doing more harm than good. You're being more self-critical. Your workouts are not as good. You're stealing joy from your life and from your workouts. And that this is harming you. And I think that instead, what you need to do is focus on self-care and focus on the process instead of the outcome. Instead of how can I push so hard in my workout? How can I give 100%? How can I get the most joy out of my workout? Because I look at my Peloton workouts and my fitness regime, which I put in quotes, as an opportunity to escape and to live longer. Anytime I get on my bike or my tread or I'm doing something, I think, I hope that this helps me live longer so that I can spend more years with my daughters. And I think it's important to shift your thinking and also to ask yourself, why are you expecting yourself to go 150% at every workout. What what is it about your history, about the messages you got as a kid, about your self-concept? Like what, why have you held on to this idea that is clearly harming you and 
to examine where did you get that from? And as you guys know, because we've talked about it on air and off air, I was an elite level rhythmic gymnast. I was on the national team for five years. I performed in the 84 Olympics. I had a very, very strict Russian coach who was very much old school. And so I understand this thinking and I once had it. <laughs> so I can speak to it, not just professionally, but personally. And I've had to do a lot of work on myself to find that middle ground. of I'm not going to use workouts to beat myself up. I'm going to use workouts to enhance my life, to live longer, to get more joy, to get some endorphins, to do positive things. And when you're using them just to beat yourself up or you're so focused on the leaderboard and I have to get these numbers and this, it hurts you. And this is a time in our lives where we need to be working on not hurting ourselves, where we need to be working on being kind to ourselves and on doing things that help us feel good. It's like I said to you guys before we came on the air, I can't wait to talk rainbows and unicorns and Peloton. (laughs) We really stick to the things that bring us joy. And, and I think that, that this person needs to really examine where the thinking came from, commit to changing it, and to really make the focus right now, changing her emotional state and her unhealthy thinking patterns over the numbers that she's getting and the, how hard she pushes herself on the workout. Because also the other thing is, if you keep up doing this, you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to injure yourself. And what is important is that you are exercising for life and you're exercising consistently and that you're doing things that in your in your workouts are going to inspire you and make you want to do it forever. Very awesome. good. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was <laughs> <laughs> and check. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, I will also say with with the all or nothing thinking, because I mean obviously I don't apply it to exercise. Well, I guess I do. I just don't have well, the you all do. part. You're, you do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but I do that with other things and I, I found that on in those other things when I when I do push myself through to do it, even if I'm like half assing it, once I start I'm typically doing it better than I thought I was going to. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, that. and that's why I am always pushing you in particular to do like a five minute workout. <laughs> like, because I do think that there's an all or nothing. I mean, obviously, as we've talked about on this show, your resistance to working out is very complex and has a lot of family history in it. But it's, it is that all or nothing of either I do an hour workout where I do nothing. And I think it's very important to start to integrate five minutes here. Like just one five minute workout once a week. I consider that to be a major coup for you because (laughs) it would be about breaking the all or nothing thinking and the mental barrier and not being beholden to your parents' thinking and pressures from when you were a kid. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Until next time, uh, where can people find you? They can find me on social media at Dr. Jen Mann, two ends on Jen, two ends on man. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, the works. I post most on Instagram and I post all of my uh, Peloton workouts on my Insta stories. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We have been getting tons of great feedback about Logan Active Clean. We really have. 
so far, everyone I've talked to loves this product as much as I do. Loves the set of products, I should say. Yes. Um, my favorite product is the Yoga Mat Cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use it, the Yoga Mat Cleaner, on any kind of surface. You can use it on your tread. You can use it on your bike. You can use it on the screen. You can use it on... You can use it on your car. Yeah. The car dash. And you're like, oh, I don't want to get the screen wet. Don't got to worry. It's amazing. So you can also get... They have two other products that they sell. There's an energizing air mist, which I love the smell of. Yeah. And it's great if you're, you know, maybe your gym is a little small and might get a little funky depending on how many people are in there. Or maybe you're gassy. Yeah. You never know. (laughs) You never know. Um, And so it's great to do before or after your workout to enjoy to kind of clean your space. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of these items, by the way, are all all natural. There's no there's no like components in them that are that have chemicals right they're alcohol free completely organic they're cruelty free non-toxic yeah um and technically you could drink it though we do not recommend that you do it's also an ice cream topping no (laughs) No, it's not an ice cream i mean like again it ain't gonna hurt you but it probably won't taste that good yeah don't do that yeah um but also there's an uh, a hand sanitizer that you can get and uh it's the same that is like an alcohol based but there's no alcohol in it so it doesn't screw up your hands you know rip them up after you've right. used it and again all of these products smell amazing they're also made in the united states which i love um and you need to check out their towels because the towels the microfiber towels are mm-hmm. soft and absorbent and i love them especially the larger one to use uh on the tread is my favorite place to use it so all kinds of different items and if you are interested in checking it out you can go to www.loganactiveclean.com you can check them out on social at logan active clean and if you would like to get an order you can use our special code for a limited time clip out 10 and you will get 10 percent off of your order and you get free shipping if you spend over $59 in the lower 48. Also, I have had some people reach out to me and tell me the shipping was like weird or it was like super high. There's been some issues like he's still working this out. It's a brand new shop. So message Logan Active Clean. They will get you set. Do not let that defer you from deter you from ordering. Peloton in the news. So the New York Times uh, had an article last Sunday about the delivery delay so the delivery delay we won't rehash the whole delivery day we've talked that to death but just thought it was worth noting that like the delivery delays have gotten to the point that it's bubbling outside of just the world of peloton and becoming actual news for things like the new york times i agree um i think it's kind of fascinating i do want to add one other thing that i heard today from paul bradley so he sent me a note about this so we know that that one of the things Peloton is doing is they are air freighting things in to get mm-hmm. things quicker. And that ain't cheap. It's not. But get get this. They actually bought a cargo plane. Peloton bought a cargo plane to wow. assist with this. So like they are taking it very seriously. I know that there are a lot of people that feel like they aren't doing enough. And I I understand that when you are waiting for your bike or your tread, it certainly feels that way. But I just want you to know that they, not a lot of companies would do that. Right. They'd just be like, well, what are you going to do? So they are trying to do something. And we should also mention about this New York Times article. I can't share it because I'm out of free articles, so it's not showing up <laughs> on the screen. But I should probably also mention that uh, you... Crystal were quoted in this New York Times. We got article. a little quote. Yeah, we got a little little quote in there. And it I, was pretty cool. And I was listed as 
husband. Yes, he's which, my husband. Which I am her husband, so that's fine. I just thought it was great because like, you see so many women complain over the years about just being identified as wife of. And so I'm like, the tables have turned. I got identified as husband of. So it's an appropriate. This is what a feminist looks like right here. <laughs> 2021 seems like an appropriate year for that to happen. Absolutely. This week in particular <laughs> seems like an appropriate year sure. for that so, week for hey, that to happen. I got my name in the New York Times. I'll take it. Same. I got no shame in being your husband. Aw, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then also we talked about this a little last week, but uh, Alex Toussaint was on the Today Show. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if you guys have not watched this video, you need to. Um, what an inspiring story. Like Alex talks about his dad and his relationship with his dad. And uh, oh, my God, it's heartwarming uh, when he when he said he still remembered the day that his dad called him and said, I'm proud of you. That's the day he got hired at Peloton. And he remembers the day, wow. the time, everything that he got the call from his dad. I got chills from it because he meant it. And yeah. like Alex, it's just crazy. His story, he went from cleaning the floors at a cycling facility and asked to be a teacher and they let him try it the next day. And then Peloton found him there. Like they wow. scouted him. I mean, that's just amazing. And, uh, and he's a phenomenal teacher and I love his inspiration. And I love hearing Carson Daly talk about how Alex truly inspires him on a daily basis. It's just fascinating. And you get to watch them work out together. It's just a great video. So <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you need to drop what you were doing and go watch it right now with the sound on. Checking out the competition. Everybody wants a piece of the pie, man. Everybody. And now Cirque du Soleil is getting into the game with with what? Online workouts? Yeah, this really surprised me. Tim Shaughnessy sent this to me. If if you would have said name every place that would possibly ever come up with one, I wouldn't have named this to save my life. Well, they they are hurting. I know. Bad. They so are. I, I, I've done Cirque du Soleil shows as a promoter, not a performer. <laughs> In case anybody was wondering, I think everybody knows. Okay, just making sure. And uh, but um, I, I could have been like the plant that they put in the audience to come on. They're like, "What? What are you doing with me, Frenchie? I don't know." And uh, but they're—I mean, they filed for bankruptcy. They had to close down all their shows, their permanent shows that know, are in it's, Vegas. It's they sad. obviously they can't be a touring property because touring isn't a thing. So I mean, like this was just a real gut punch for them. So I'm sure they're just desperate for anything. But so are these? Do these workouts are? Do they work like? Uh, like, if you don't know how to juggle, how does that, like, I feel, <laughs> I'd be scared to death to do a Cirque du Soleil workout. I, me too. And it's called Cirque Me Out. And you get, you do, um, it's like, it's their artists in a three-part series, and you get to do a full body workout with them. So it's kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's dance related, you know, very high cardio. Um, so is this so, something you pay for? Or they just posted this? I think like, they hey, just posted come this. And, come and watch our things and remember that we exist. And one day when we all have gotten vaccinated, we can leave our homes again and go see a circus. Yeah, show. there's, they have a few different kinds. Like they have the, cir the circuit out. They have, um, then they have three seasons of that. And then they have yoga and then they have like just regular full body workouts. So gotcha. uh, I think they're building it as they go. I, I don't know if they're actually trying to make money off this because it, it says that you, it says become a Cirque member to get our news, but it doesn't oh. say like pay here. Gotcha. Like, so I'm assuming. And they do have a membership where like you get tickets in advance and better seats and, and you know, you, I, you get your own job. Juggler, I think is how it works. Like <laughs> I don't get, think that's a thing. Take home a juggler. No. <laughs> if it is, I'm totally signing up for that when they're back. <laughs> I would like to take a juggler home. 
first the dating and now you want to take a juggler home? What's what going on? Am I even going to be on the next episode? We'll see. Goodness. I'm joking. New content. So we got a, a new series from Olivia. We do. And uh, I want to point out it is on the the tread, not the bike, because she teaches both. Okay. So um, this is her first series, and uh, this is called The Breakthrough Run, and uh, it focuses on endurance. So I decided to take one today because I wanted to... I wanted to check it out. Okay. Um, and uh, it's it's tough. Not not like this is going to kick your ass to the point where you are just dead at the end of it. It's 30 minutes. She breaks it down into six different blocks. And the idea is to like do longer blocks throughout and then at the very end kind of like surpass the rest of it. So let's say uh, you do a sprint at the very end. I really liked the way it was it was laid out. It felt very fast. The music was good, and I really enjoyed that I felt like I still had enough energy left at the end to do a 30-second sprint. And so I thought it was it was a really good way to lay out the class, and I enjoyed it very much. Awesome. Yeah. Peloton Birthdays. And finally, we have a, a birthday this week. It will actually be on the day this episode drops. Well, then everybody send happy birthday wishes on Friday to Ben Aldis. So if you're listening to this on Saturday, he's very upset. Yes. That he, you didn't he wish told him us to send you a nasty note. Yes. He's not happy with you at all. <laughs> not like that at all. <laughs> uh, but happy birthday to Ben Aldis. And I'm sure we'll have more coming soon. Yeah. Checking in with the Peloton community. So uh, joining us today via the magic of Zoom Tube is Leslie Crabtree. Hey, Leslie, how's it going? Hi, good. How are you guys? Good. Good. Okay, I have to. I have to find out. Or I have to see if we have to correct you. Is it Leslie or Leslie? Well, you know, uh, so I say <laughs> Leslie. Okay. Um, but my husband calls me Leslie. Okay. Okay. So it really. I answer to both. Okay. And it really doesn't matter to me. All right. <laughs> Which All one right. did I say? I don't even remember. <laughs> I think you said Leslie. Did I say it right or wrong? I I honestly I didn't even pay it any attention. Oh. <laughs> That's how much I don't care. Well, at least I'm not married to you. So you like <laughs> if I get it wrong, it's just some random guy on the internet. Yeah, as long as as long as your husband gets it right, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> I was too focused. Well he doesn't though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty. So there is a right way. See, <laughs> any man who's been married for any length of time can assure you there's always a right way and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, Tom. We know you're keeping score. <laughs> we are. It's always I mean, right for there. Sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. I know. My first thought was when I saw Crabtree, I was like, "Is she related to the teacher from The Little Rascals?" That's a thing. What was the teacher's name on the Little Rascals? Crabtree. Was it? She was Mrs. Crabtree. Yeah. I got nothing. And then that's kind of where they get the teacher from The Simpsons on. She's Mrs. Crabapple, but they but oh. they pronounce it Crabapple. Do they? Crabapple. Crabapple. <laughs> but it's and crab-apple. the best part is my mother in law is a teacher. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to the actual interview here. Sorry about that. Um, so, <laughs> how did you originally find Peloton? I'm not sure, like, where in your journey that that occurred. So, I heard of Peloton. I'm actually a cycling instructor. Okay. Um, oh. 
Not so much anymore. I've kind of, I took a cycling in, in teaching, took a back seat last year. So I haven't taught in over a year, but being in that world, I had heard of, you know, all the different kinds of bikes out there and have ridden a bunch of different bikes and heard of Peloton back in the day, I had taken some soul cycle classes. Mm-hmm. And so when I knew some people at soul cycle that left soul cycle in started on the Peloton bandwagon, if you will. (laughs) And so I, when it was starting before they were, uh, or after they were out of their basement, because I guess it started in a basement. (laughs) It was after that, when it was becoming more of a mainstream thing and people were buying the bikes. That's when I really started to hear about it and never thought that it was going to be for me. Never thought that I wanted to do that by myself because the allure of cycling classes is the community that you create in the classroom and the energy in the classroom. So I guess when, like what year did you get your bike? I actually got it just this year okay. in March. I okay. got it in March. And so I had been talking to my husband about it because I was, what was happening is I was really only going to the gym for cycling classes and I was working out on my own here at home. That's well, pretty expensive cycling class when that's all you're doing at the gym. Yeah. yeah. So in March, um, I had been talking to my husband about it because gym membership is expensive if you're only attending cycling classes. And I had said, Hey, you know, our anniversary is in April. I really would love a Peloton. You know, would you be willing to invest in a Peloton? If you buy me the Peloton, I'll quit the gym and save money. That's, so he that's was my way of I, thinking. Yes. <laughs> Husbands so will tell me that. Yeah. So was that um, before, like, I mean, I know COVID was, people were talking about it, but there was that, that point in mid-March. Like, like March around, 13th. Like right at the 13th <laughs> when everybody was like, oh, this is real and we're all going to die. Was it before or after that line of demarcation? It was like the day of, because I was like, oh, crap. Okay. Gyms are going to close. Right. Pelotons are going to be hard to get. Yep. Because gyms are closing. We literally bought it that day. So you were just a smidge ahead of the curve. Nice. I was. Yeah. Well, at that time, you know, you had kind of two camps of people. Well, I guess we still have two camps of people uh, where, you know, it's like, oh, is it going to last a long time? Oh, it's just going to be like a week. It'll be fine. It's no big deal. Like nobody knew how it was going to turn out. So a lot of people were like, oh, I'll just get back to my regular schedule when this is all over. We were so naive back then. Who knew? (laughs) And I think I think what this also tells us about the Crabtree household (laughs) is that they keep a lot of toilet paper on hand year round because her first thought wasn't go buy toilet paper like it the was, rest of we're America. getting a peloton she was like getting a peloton yeah that's a good point that's a good point Tom. i did i literally did i was like we have to do this like now <laughs> i i just i knew like that's the only time i think that i've ever made a super smart decision like that oh no no do you know what i mean like right before it got really bad like i had enough foresight to know that these are going to be hard to get our hands on. I need to hurry up and do it. Yeah, you were you were you were on it. You were looking out ahead of time. I did the same thing, but with bidets. He did. Yeah, that's a thing. You did it. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, these are going to be hard to get. And so I went and bought three. They're still sitting in a box. Yeah, we've never done anything with them. I don't know how to but hey, them, if we need but- them. If we yeah. need them, they are there. Yeah. <laughs> if you run out of your toilet paper stock. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then since I didn't know how to install the bidets, I, I, did, I stocked up on uh, super soakers. <laughs> I figure we'll just, we'll just bend over and oh, dear. clean each other off. <laughs> it's, 
love it. A lot, a lot easier to install. I mean, it'd be. And it, in my defense, I was at the time. It was March. I wasn't thinking about December. You know, I thought by December we'll have toilet paper again. It would be okay. Again, who knew? Well, we were so, so naive. Here's the thing, though. So you have a bidet. Mm-hmm. How do you dry off? It's in a box. Like, I don't know. More, We've never had to use product it. involved with I, that. I don't think that there is. My understanding, and it is limited because I've never used it. But from what people have explained to me, that you just, you know, you do a little, a little air drying. And there's, a, I think some of them, the nicer ones, not not off of Amazon in the middle of the pandemic, uh, the nicer ones that are like built in, they have a dryer. So yeah. we gotcha. got a cheapy because we were afraid there was going to be no toilet paper. Yeah. So just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's a different okay. kind of bidet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good. Yeah. At least you have them. Yeah. It's there in, in case of emergency. Break ass I'm really glad we covered that That's the important topics Everybody wants to know Um, (laughs) So changing gears To a more serious topic um, You've had an incredibly Long and very Involved health journey So I was wondering if you could kind of walk us Through what that looked like for you So I found out In May of 2019 that I had the BRCA gene mutation. I lost my mother to ovarian cancer 14 years ago, right after our youngest son was born. I lost my mom. Prior to her getting really, really sick, I'd gone to some doctor's appointments with her, talked to her oncologist and said, hey, you know, what are my risks? What, what do I need to be worried about? And he was like, you know, I'm really not worried about you. You guys don't have a long family history of breast or ovarian cancer. Your mother is the classic case of ovarian cancer, postmenopausal over the age of 60. She's the classic case. Um, I really am not that concerned with you. I was like, okay, good. So I asked the question very early on, went on about my life. Well, my OBGYN here in Nashville is like a dog with a bone. And every single year she would say to me, do you want to do genetic testing? Have you thought about genetic testing? Every single year. And every single year I shut her down. I was like, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm the classic case of my mom's classic case of ovarian cancer. Talk to her oncologist. I'm good. But thank you. Every year, you guys, for 14 years. Like <laughs> when I say she's a dog with a bone, a dog with a bone. Thank God. So last May, when I went for my, went in for my annual exam, she brought it up again. And again, I said, no. And she's like, well, why don't we at least do an ultrasound to take a look at your ovaries just to make sure that nothing's happening? I was like, all right, I'm down with that. I mean, that's quick and easy and don't have to get insurance involved because the whole thing with genetic testing is it's pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, can, can I just stop you for a second because I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. So is this something your doctor asks all of her patients or was there some reason that she was asking you? Because I have never had a my my doctors never asked me that. None of my OBGYNs have ever asked me that. Because my family history, because of okay. my mom. OK. Gotcha. And protocols have since changed when my mom was diagnosed Genetic testing was not part of the norm. It wasn't. um, Now it's just kind of standard procedure to ask the patient if they want to be tested for the gene. It wasn't then because it was there was one company that was doing genetic testing. It was extremely expensive. And so it just wasn't a thing. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Fast forward 14 years. They've learned more. They understand that there are more genes than just the BRCA genes that create that cause breast and ovarian cancer. More companies are now doing genetic testing. It's more cost effective and insurance companies are realizing 
if we catch this on the front end right. and we do some preventative surgeries, it's a lot cheaper. It's for cost us. effective for them too, right? But it's not <clears throat> being nice, right? They're <laughs> right. Well, yes, yeah. absolutely. But if that if if they're worried about their bottom line, their bottom line gives me a option to be preventative. Sure, I'm totally. In. Yeah, no, it's one of the few times when it's like the insurance company's <laughs> worried about their bottom line works to the uh, consumer's yeah. benefit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no. Valid question. So had went for the ultrasound and um, it was a new ultrasound tech to the practice. She wasn't new to ultrasound, but new to the practice. And so the radiologist came down to say, hey, these are the images that I need. And so she looks at me sitting at the radiologist looks at me and I'm not the pregnant lady on the table. So it's not quite evident why they're why I'm there and why she's doing ultrasounds with my ovaries. And she's like, you know, hey, what's up? Why are you here? And I told her and she pulls her lab coat over and she said, I'm also a geneticist. Oh, well, that's convenient. Wow. Oh, okay. And so she starts talking to me about, you know, there are all these new genes now that we can test for and genetic test has come a long way. And she said, you know, what we can do is we can draw your blood and we'll send it off to the lab. And before they actually conduct the genetic test, they'll contact your health insurance company. They'll get pre-off. And if there's anything that you owe, We'll let you know what that is before they conduct the testing. Okay. Well, if you've ever tried calling to get yourself to get authorization on any sort of procedure, you know it's not a fun. I mean, like it's no. enough to make you never want to do it again. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like beating your head up against a wall over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah, totally. And you still don't know if you got the right answer, right? You could still go for whatever yeah. procedure. They're like, oh, kidding, not covered. Yeah, well, and they leave themselves about 8 million, you know, well, we're going to tell you the answer. But just just so you know, like, it doesn't really count. Like, if something goes wrong, you know, we can't be held liable at all. So, Yeah. <laughs> And that was really, honestly, the main reason I didn't do it because I knew it was expensive and I didn't really feel like going through the hassle with my insurance company. Well, they removed that obstacle for me. So I was like, all right, it's a blood draw. Let's do it now. So they drew my blood. They sent it off. I wasn't even concerned. You know, and the whole time I'm thinking, I can finally shut up my OBGYN. She will finally (laughs) stop. I was such a jerk. I was so... arrogant like this is going to come back negative i'm going to prove her wrong and we're going to stop talking about this and we're all going to move along well jokes on me the results came back and i was positive for the bracket 2g okay and so for people who may not be familiar with that that means like me (laughs) that means that you you have a higher chance of contracting is it contracting uh developing cancer uh ovarian and breast cancer correct and correct and so what were what did they tell you that like your percentage was like are we saying like a 20 percent? are we saying a 40 percent? i had an 85 percent chance of getting breast cancer of developing breast cancer yikes Whoa. And the older you get, the higher that risk goes up because the type of cancer that I would be at risk for. So everyone has a BRCA gene. Real quick lesson. Everyone has a BRCA gene, men and women. BR for breast, CA for cancer. So BRCA, breast cancer. Okay. Um, if you have a, in men or women, if you have a mutation in your gene, then it puts you at risk for certain types of cancer. It's not just breast and ovarian. Those are the most prevalent, but I'm also at an increased risk for melanoma as well as pancreatic cancer. Oh, yeah. Those risks are really, really low for me because we don't have a deep family history. We don't have any pancreatic cancer, so they're really low. If my, I have a brother, if he were to have the gene, 
and there's a 50-50 chance that he would get that he would have the gene, he would also be at increased risk for prostate cancer. So his would be prostate, pancreatic, and melanoma. Okay. okay. So those would be his risks. Okay. So when you have a deletion in the gene, it doesn't function the way that it's supposed to. And technically that gene is, is supposed to prevent you from getting breast cancers or those types of cancers. But since I have a deletion, it leaves me open to those. Ah. So my lifetime risk for, so I say lifetime, my lifetime risk for breast cancer is 85%. And my particular kind of breast cancer that I would be at most risk for is estrogen fed. Well, what do your ovaries produce? Estrogen. So the longer I'm exposed to estrogen, the higher my risk for cancer, right? So it's like the longer you're exposed to secondhand smoke, the more likely you are to develop lung cancer. Well, same for estrogen. The longer I'm exposed, the more my risk goes up, which is why the longer I keep my ovaries and the older I get, that's why my risk goes up. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So my lifetime risk for breast cancer was 85% and my lifetime risk for ovarian cancer was like 22%. So not that high, um, not really that concerned. I mean, it's high. The general population risk for ovarian cancer is like 1%. Okay. okay. So when you compare me to general population, it's, you know, it's, a, it's enough to wake you up. The general population risk for um, breast cancer is 7%. So that got my attention. Yeah. And so I started, I started talking to physicians. So then what are, what are next steps? It sounds like, you know, like, you know, I mean, I guess it's wait it out or do something. So what's the do something? So I met with a geneticist, uh, a genetic counselor and went through all my risks and um, Stanford university has this amazing interactive tool, this risk assessment tool that you can plug in your genetic mutation, you can plug in your age, and you can plug in what you decide to do. Do you decide to monitor? Immediately when they found out I had the BRCA gene, they're like, instantly what we're going to do is we're now moving you to some sort of breast imaging every six months. So So that's fun. a, A 3D mammogram, just once a year, but a 3D mammogram And then six months later, followed by a breast MRI. So every six months I'm being seen, but I'm only having one test. I'm only having that particular test annually. Okay, Okay. gotcha. So that's the immediate thing is you're immediately moved to increased surveillance. So then I met with a gynecologist oncologist who would deal with the ovaries. And I was offered surveillance there. He said, we can surveil your ovaries. And the way that we do that is we do an ultrasound every six months. And he said, we also do, we do blood work. We do something called a CA-125, which anyone who's had ovarian cancer or is familiar with it knows that that is a tumor marker for ovarian cancer. Okay. So he said, and we do that um, every six months. I think it was, I don't, I don't know if that was every six months, but whatever the frequency of it was, that was, it was surveillance. He said, but I'm going to tell you, and you know this because you watched your mom die of ovarian cancer. I'm going to tell you that I can bring you in today and do an ultrasound and your ovaries are clean and you can come back in six months and you can have stage three ovarian cancer. That quickly? Statist- mm-hmm. Wow. It's a very quiet cancer. It's symptoms mimic GI upset. Mm. So, uh, you know, bloating. Right. Sure. So you're just going to chalk it up. Upset Most stomach. likely you're going to chalk it up to something else, not your ovaries. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So he said, and I have plenty of women that surveil. He said, I have plenty of women that do that. He said, but I'm going to be real honest with you and tell you that it makes me really nervous. And I said, well, you know, I have seen the death by ovarian cancer movie and I don't like it. And I'm not interested in doing that. He said, well, then let's, let's take your ovaries out. So he removed my ovaries and fallopian tubes and he made no, no bones about it. I said, well, you know, when should I do it? He's like this year, I want them out. I want them out in the year. They really probably should have been out around 45. I'm 47. So he's like, they, they need to come out. So that was the first step, but that also did two things. It took my risk for ovarian cancer down because I no longer have ovaries and fallopian tubes, but it also reduced the amount of estrogen in my body, which also reduced my risk for breast cancer. Okay. 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 And I have a follow-up question real quick, not to be flipped, but you said it takes your risk for ovarian cancer down. I mean, wouldn't it be zero zero, or is there some sort of weird fluke thing? Yeah. Yeah. So as it turns out, the lining of your abdomen is made of similar tissue to your ovaries. So you can develop primary peritoneal cancer. What? Yeah. But I mean, it takes my, it (laughs) took my risk from like 20% to like one. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Kind of back down to normal. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I was just curious when you were like, they took them out. So it reduced the risk. And I was like, but wait, like, doesn't that. I don't think you'd be the only one asking that (laughs) question. So I think it's a good question. (laughs) Something that's not there. Cause cancer. Okay. Got it. No, that, that was a fair question. Yeah. Fair. (laughs) So then it took, when they took out my ovaries, it reduced, it took my overall, my lifetime risk for breast cancer and it cut it in half. So I went from 85% to, you know, 40%. All right. That's a nice reduction, right? Absolutely. But it's still a significant number. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something that I grappled with for a while. And I thought, well, if my airplane had a 40% chance of crashing, would I get on it? No. Right. No. So I, yeah, let's, let's remove the breasts. Okay. And that, that tool that Stanford developed really helped me figure out how I wanted to handle this too, because it, it doesn't show you survive. It's not based on, it doesn't show survival statistics because no one knows that. But what it showed me is it showed me, depending if I just did surveillance, if I started removing things, it showed me what my risk was for developing that kind of cancer, what my risk was for having a recurrence for needing chemotherapy. So it was really a helpful tool because I went into this thinking, I'm just surveilling everything. Why do these BRCA women take their breasts off? This is ridiculous. Like we've got good technology and mammograms and MRIs. Why do they do this? And then I looked at this tool and I thought, oh, when I saw when you remove all these parts and my risk for breast cancer is now less than general population. Wow. So doing those, removing those organs, body parts, does it do anything to you other than now you couldn't have any more children should you have been at the point in your life where you could still have children is there anything else that like i'm not thinking of that it does to you threw me into instant menopause okay okay so then a big big hormone change at that point yes okay basically fell off a cliff yikes yeah so it throws you into instant menopause I mean, listen, I was knocking on menopause's door anyway, right? I mean, I was 47 years old. Who knows when I would have gone through menopause? We don't know. But I was approaching, I was at least in perimenopause, which is, you know, the first step to menopause. But the other thing that it does too is the earlier you go into menopause or the the earlier you take out those ovaries or having a hysterectomy, that estrogen does also help with bone density, 
which is why osteoporosis is a thing for women who are in menopause. Okay. Because okay. estrogen helps with bone density. It also helps with heart health. Gotcha. So women in their 30s who have this done, that's a real concern for them. Yeah. Right. That's a long time. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're explain of, all this so well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of measuring the benefits, the pros and the cons. But I think uh, you make a good point in that, like you know, that was you were you were pretty close to that point anyway. You weren't really like escalating how quickly or accelerating rather how quickly that was going going to occur. So that seems like the lesser risk in that scenario. In your case, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I had kids. I was done. I was done having kids. I mean. God, if I'd gotten pregnant again, I probably would have jumped off of a cliff. I mean, you know, when they're 14 and 16, you're virtually home free. That is yeah, exactly, exactly our ages. What, so we yeah. hear you. Yeah. So you get it. So you get it. I'm like, I would not do a baby right now. Are you kidding me? That could be, that might be the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me right now. Yeah, I just get shuddered thinking of like, the, yeah, them graduating from high school when I'm 70. Uh, like, I mean, I, I have friends that have made that choice. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. God love For them, other but people, like, that's great. But you know, I'm it's just like, not a choice we would want not, to make. No, thank you. Exactly. So, yes, I was like, you can have my ovaries. I'm done with them. I'm pretty sure they're pretty shriveled up anyway. <laughs> so in that interim period between when you had kind of found out this information and made that decision and but but they hadn't started any of these procedures yet like were you like were you pretty anxious or were you just like well I mean you're talking you know a month or two and it'll be good like what what was your what was your mood like Um yeah it was it was pretty stressful so found out in May of 2019 that I had this mutation, started meeting with doctors and genetic counselors and, you know, met with several physicians because let's face it, I had the luxury to be able to plan for these. My life was not currently in jeopardy and under the threat of cancer. I did not have cancer. Right. So I had the ability to interview physicians and I did, I picked my physicians and I went with one physician, one breast surgeon, and I ultimately decided against him and found a woman that did my mastectomy. And thank God I did. She was amazing, had an amazing experience. But I took that time. So that time between discovery and surgery was spent meeting with a lot of physicians, talking to um, other BRCA patients, talking to other physicians just bouncing ideas off of friends. I mean, really just kind of vetting this out. I'm somebody who needs all of the information before I can really move forward. Once I feel like I've got all the information, then I feel like I can make my decision. So in October of 2019, that was my first surgery. And that was the ovaries and fallopian tubes first. And I knew that I was going to start with that first. It was the easiest surgery. It was it was laparoscopic. I mean, it was outpatient. I was in and out of surgery in like 30 minutes. It probably took them longer to put me to sleep than it probably took him to remove my ovaries. Gotcha. So it was a super easy surgery. And it I also got the biggest bang for my buck, if you will. I took out my ovaries and at the same time, not only did I reduce my risk for ovarian cancer, I cut my risk for breast cancer right. while, you know, yeah, while I was there. It's a twofer. Yeah, yeah. makes perfect yeah, a sense. Two, exactly. So did that in October, and I knew that that was the only surgery I was doing in 2019. I was like, I need to see what menopause is going to look like for me because I'm really hitting the menopause brick wall. And I, you know, my mom's not here, so I can't ask her what was menopause like for you. I don't even remember what age she was when she went through it. And of course, my dad's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so it, 
Uh, I, He's I like, I tried to block it out. <laughs> yeah, he I asked as few questions sure, as possible. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, I'm pretty sure that I was out of the house for a solid year. <laughs> but um, so it, that was it was definitely anxiety producing because then, you know, your mind plays weird tricks on you because here you're thinking, gosh, I never thought that I would have ovarian cancer. Well, crap. What if he opens me up and I already have ovarian cancer? Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't think about those things. And then the anxiety around what is menopause going to look like for me? And am I making the right decision? Because I could do all this and never have gotten cancer. And you'll never know. You'll never know. Yeah. It's like when you're laying in bed at night and you think about someone breaking in and then every you hear every noise. Mm hmm. Yeah, right. It's exactly right. Right. Wow. So there's a whole lot because nobody is telling you what to do. Unlike someone who has a disease or has ovarian cancer or breast cancer, their doctors are saying, this is what you need to do in order to save your life. Right. So it's a lot more. It's a lot more of you having to make very, very large decisions. Wow. Yeah. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure because I also know that it's going to take me down for a while. Right. And I've got a family. Right. And I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I stay home with my children, but I stay home with my children. So right. who's, 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 you know, I'm doing that so that my husband can work. Right. So, um, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of second guessing. It was definitely a very, it's been a very long 18 months, very stressful. And then, Hey, throw COVID in. Right. Yeah. Right. So now I need to have my breasts removed. Right. So I want to get that done. Right. Because the longer I have them sitting on my body, the more at risk I am for developing breast cancer. So in January, we had this plan that I would have my breasts removed in June because, you know, we were going to go on a family vacation and we were going to do all these great things. I remember family vacations. Yeah, Yeah. that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. So we were going to do all these great things. And then COVID hit and nobody was doing anything. And my surgeries are considered elective and elective surgeries were stopped. And I needed to go in for my annual breast MRI, but you know, I was, it was in the beginning of the pandemic. I was scared to go in. What's right. going to, you Absolutely. know, nobody was doing anything. So that added an extra layer of anxiety onto it. But I also knew that this, this had to be the year. I knew that the anxiety of scans every six months and waiting to hear those results and potential rescans, because that happens with MRIs where they see something and you have to go back in and it's typically nothing. But now in the back of my head, I might have breast cancer. So it really wears on you. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a lot of general maintenance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like everybody's used to going at least once a year to the doctor, you know, making your rounds once a year. But, but you know, Mm -hmm. whenever they call you back in for anything, it's, it's stressful. And then whenever you have to add in multiple stops, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. And a lot of anxiety, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I met with my breast surgeon and I told her, I said, you know, I, I, I kind of want to pull the trigger on this. And she's like, listen, right now, hospitals are even safer than they ever have been because we're all so weirded out by this. And we don't we don't have patients coming in for elective surgeries and we don't have we don't have patients coming in for surgeries that they actually really need. So we're pretty empty right now. So she's like maybe it's not a bad time to do it. So my husband and I discussed it. We thought about it and we, we moved forward with the June date. And I knew that I wanted to try and get everything done, all surgeries and reconstruction done in the same calendar year. Cause you know, insurance, insurance. Sure. Right. 
So we figured June was enough time for hopefully the pandemic to settle down. And it was enough time to go through all the reconstruction that everything would be in the same calendar year. Okay. And that I would hopefully be feeling good by Christmas. So that was the goal. So I went in the end of June for my double mastectomy and they put expanders in, which are basically bags, if you will. They're these little, these little bags, the size of, of a breast implant and they're empty when they put them in and it's got a port like up here and you can feel it through the skin. And that's how they uh, insert the needle and fill it with saline to expand the skin. Okay. To get your skin ready for reconstruction. Gotcha. Had expanders for four months and um, then had reconstruction October 2nd. Wow. So does it, it, insurance, do they cover that part too? Or are they, or I didn't know since it was elective either. if they get douchey about it. It might know? depend on the insurance too, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> no, they, uh, yes, they did cover it. They absolutely covered it. And I don't want to speak out of turn, but I believe that one of the genetic counselors said to me, I cannot be denied coverage for BRCA related surgeries um, because I have a genetic predisposition to breast and ovarian cancer. Pretty much they pay, you know, they, they pay for the surgery. They pay for the reconstruction. They pay for mastectomy bras. They pay for mastectomy pillows. They pay for insurance will pay for quite a bit. Wow, um, that's obviously great. it depends on your insurance. Uh, sure. Yes, of course, of course. I feel like if we went back through the archives, there was probably a giant PR nightmare for insurance companies at some point that led to them doing that. Like that, that doesn't sound like something that they would willingly be like, sure, we'll do that. No. Well, think of, I mean, just think of the number of women that get breast Right. One in four women develop breast cancer. That's crazy. That's, or one, one in four or one in eight. I think it's I think actually, I think it might be one in eight, but anyway, and think of how big organizations like Susan G. Komen are Mm -hmm. that have brought so much awareness. Um, So, you know, they're definitely insurance companies have come a long way and they will cover, they covered the mastectomy. They covered the reconstruction. Now, if I don't like the way they look, will they cover revision? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Gotcha. Right. I mean, yeah, like. And, I get that, and I get that. That's m- more subjective. Yeah, like if it's you a know, lot, it's a lot harder. That's yeah. a lot of harder sell. <laughs> it's yeah. like one yeah. is one is medically necessary, one is not medically necessary. So that that's that's a little bit different. Okay, so you had your surgery in October. So it was November that I saw your post that you were able to get back on your bike, your your comeback ride. So so that was what November twenty third, if I remember correctly. I I believe so. It was recent. Yes, it was really like two weeks ago. Wow. So what was that like? I was really excited to get on my bike. So one of the things that I did and one of the things that I credit Peloton with was it gave me a place to basically forget about what was going on to get into shape because I, I trained for my surgeries because again, I had the luxury to be able to do that because I was not fighting cancer. So I had the ability to get myself into as good physical shape as I could. I was already in good physical condition to begin with, but I really started focusing, knowing that, you know, this part of my body was going to be disrupted, getting everything as strong as I could, being cardiovascularly strong helps you recover from anesthesia and all that stuff a lot faster. Just being healthy helps you recover a lot faster. So rode up to my first surgery, had the mastectomy, got on the bike two weeks after mastectomy Wow! and rode and took it easy, did a recovery ride. And um, that felt really good. And then trained 
up to exchange. And then I had some additional private pay work done while I was, while I was under. Gotcha. Gotcha. So You're already there. I had a tummy tuck. Yeah. Right. I had a tummy tuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I delivered, I mean, I delivered two kids, Yep. had two C-sections. Turns out that I had pretty bad diastasis recti, which is where your ab muscles separate. Yep. Creates all kinds of back issues, which I have. That is not, but I'm going to tell you straight up. That's not why I had the surgery. I had the surgery because I didn't like what was happening to my abdomen. Totally I get it. Totally get it. Much, was, much respect. <laughs> Again, you were already there. You're already there. Oh, you might as well. Yeah. And, and truthfully, if I hadn't done it then, it was never happening. Yeah. But, yeah. but I it, think it's a lot harder to heal from that than any of the other things you did, right? It was a pretty brutal recovery because she had to stitch my abdominal muscles back together. If it had just been removing excess skin, that would have been a lot easier. She had to bring my ab muscles back to where they belong. Yikes. And stitch them. Ow. So truthfully, that's what kept me off the bike longer. Okay. Yeah. I could have gotten back on the bike at six weeks post-op. Okay. I could have gotten back on the bike. She keeps you up. She kept me from doing any cardio because, I mean, it is what it is. We're going to talk nipples now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's all right. No, you don't have to apologize to me. I no. talk nipples all the time. <laughs> She's like. For, Might she, be a slightly different right. reason. <laughs> I'm going to venture to guess that you've not had this conversation before. So I was lucky. I was luckily able to keep my nipples because a lot of women who go through mastectomy can't keep their nipples, particularly okay. if they've got breast cancer, they just take everything. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I was able to keep mine, but because she's taken, she basically hollowed out my breasts, right? So there's sure. no more fatty tissue there. Your nipples do wonky things. Okay. Oh, okay. So they needed to be moved because I'm also, implants are not the shape that I was anatomically. You know, Absolutely. It was not my natural shape. So my nipples were placed on, you know, where they were on my old breast. Now I've got, you know, implants that are shaped very different than my breast. So she had to move my nipples. And because of that, she didn't want my heart rate going over a hundred. She wanted the blood flow to continue to make sure that they stayed alive. Yep. So I would have been off the bike for six weeks, but then you throw in the tummy tuck and I was off for a little bit long. I think I was off. I think it was off eight weeks. Okay. I mean, that's still pretty quick given everything that you went through, but I know it does not feel quick. Yeah, like, I know sure. that. <laughs> I'd come down, I'd look at my bike, I'm like, one day, one day we'll be back together. <laughs> and I kept threatening my plastic surgeon. I was like, when can I get on my bike? When can I get on my bike? She's like, I have seen some of those Peloton workouts and they're hardcore. No. I was like, listen. They do have the classes out there where you can dance on the bike. I said, that is not the class that I take. I'm a purist. I like the traditional indoor cycling class. I don't, I occasionally will do the dancing on the bike. It's not my favorite thing, but that's not the class that I'm drawn to. Right. So I said, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. I said, and because I'm a yoga teacher, I also know I've also learned to listen to my body and I'm not going to get on my Peloton and do, you know, a power zone workout. Because number one, it's going to suck because I'm not going to meet my numbers and I'm very numbers driven. And if I don't land a certain place in my output, I'm pissed. Right. So I'm not going to do that to myself. And number two, I'm smart enough to know that I need to start like I'm coming back from an injury. I know I need to be kind to my body and I'm not going to undo all of this recovery just because I want to get on my bike. 
that's stupid. Yeah. You need long-term thinking. Right. Yeah. So got on the bike. I did, I did an easy ride. It felt good to move my legs. I hid all of the stuff. I hid all of the, (laughs) anything I could hide. I hid, (laughs) I hid leaderboards. I was like, I don't, I, I can't like for my own sanity. I can't. So hit everything I could hide and got on the bike and just was happy to have my heart rate up and break a sweat and and move my legs again. And your wow. abdomen stayed in one piece. That's so hey, good. that's my always abdomen. a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> everything think, stayed where it was supposed to. <laughs> I would think that would take a while to feel like you could turn without wondering. You yeah, know I mean? like for that sure. Would, that, would, that would make. But I'm like I'm anxious just hearing that. Yeah. 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 So I'm not allowed to do any core work until after the first of the year. So no targeted abdominal exercises to give my muscles a chance to settle back into where they belong so that they don't move again. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet you even then it's going to be probably a little nerve wracking at first. Yeah. One would. Well, so, yeah. So I'm the girl who says I I know my plastic surgeon is probably sorry she ever met me, but. When I had the expanders and the expanders are pretty heavy, they, they're heavy. The material itself is heavy and then they fill it with all that saline and it's pretty heavy. And I asked her, I was like, listen, like I'm doing jumping jacks. Are, are these things going to like fall down to my knees? Like, is that a thing? Can that happen? She's like, uh, Leslie, you're good now. That's not going to happen. She's like, it's not my first day. Like we, this isn't new technology. We've got it under control. Yeah. Well, so when I asked her about ab exercises, I was like, are you sure it's safe to do sit-ups? She was like, yes, I'm not going to tell you to do sit-ups if you can't do sit-ups. Right. I'm like, but how do you know I'm not going to pop a stitch? She's like, because that's not a thing. <laughs> I get you, though. I still say the same thing to my doctor. I don't think I'm ready to do sit-ups. I, I mean, I haven't had any surgeries or anything, but I'm just like, better err on the side of caution is where I land. Are you ready to get on the bike? No. I mean, what if something happens? What if I pop a stitch that I don't have? It's just a, it's too big of a risk. Uh, it's okay that you're risk adverse. I get yeah. that. <laughs> Don't encourage him. You hush. She's on my side. <laughs> so is there anything you wish uh, that you had known like before all this started? You went down this road or or do you feel like you've navigated it pretty effectively? You know, I feel like I have navigated it. Pretty effectively. It sounds I'm, it. Yeah. I'm pretty it damn proud of myself. I'm just yeah. going to say. But I'm also going to say that I have an amazing support network. And none of this could be done without my husband. I mean, the guy was waking up every four hours to make sure that I had my pain medication. Aww. And still getting up and going to work. Like, he didn't even wake up with our kids when they were babies. <laughs> well, he needs you to be okay so you can continue to take care of the kids in the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Nobody ate a good meal while I was down. <laughs> Lots of pizza. I did also, though, I, in fairness, at, at mastectomy, I had a meal train for a solid two months. We had people bringing us food. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. I handled it well because I had the support that I needed. Right. Yeah, totally. And then is there something that uh, if someone's listening that you think that they should know? Or that they, what would do you think maybe their takeaway should be from from your experience? Gosh, I have I have a few things. Like the first thing that pops to my mind is get a second opinion. 
get a second opinion, get a second opinion, get a second opinion. Make sure that the doctors that you land with are working for you. Make sure that you click with them. So quickly, my first breast surgeon, I asked for a second opinion from his female partner and he told me no. Mm. What? Mm. <laughs> you could do mm-hmm. that? I mean, I guess you can, but that's... Sure. I've never heard of a doctor saying, no, you can't have a second opinion. That's kind of like baked into the whole concept. Well, they cannot be happy he, about it. <laughs> he told me, he was like, you can get a second opinion, but not from my partner. It you need to leave the practice. Them. I was like, awesome. I'm leaving. Wow. <laughs> so I guess I guess he was worried to pit them against each other somehow or something. I don't know what the concern was. It's irrational because in my mind, from a pure business standpoint, don't you want to retain the patient in your practice, yeah. whether you operate on them or your partner operates on them, you still get that revenue. Right. So from a pure business standpoint, yeah. why well, wouldn't you? And also in today's world, you think that he'd be sensitive to the fact that like, you know, a woman, a, a woman, a woman knows... might want to talk to a woman about something yeah. like this. That's not crazy. Like how? I mean, that makes sense to me. A woman has a woman's body, so yeah. so she would understand your concerns in a way that a man wouldn't. I mean, or may not. I shouldn't right. say wouldn't, but may not. No, it would be. You know, even if the man understands, it's not going to be in the same way. It's not going to be from a, a firsthand right. perspective. Yeah. So it it doesn't mean that a that a male doctor couldn't understand or be compassionate but it's not going to be it in won't be in the level. same way by virtue of definition well i'm i'm glad that you got your second opinion yeah yeah so i did so and, and it turned out that i had one of the most fantastic teams for me i had one of the most fantastic teams and i couldn't have asked it ended up being an all-female team which i didn't go in wanting enough i just w- went in wanting the best physicians male female the gynecologist oncologist who removed my ovaries and fallopian tubes was a male. He was phenomenal. Loved him. Great. So I really didn't care who did the surgery. I just wanted to make sure that whoever I did got me. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's the first thing is make sure that you have a surgeon that you that you really click with. And if you don't and you've got questions and you think that they might not be right for you, find another doctor. It's not hurting anybody. Go and get another opinion. You can go back to the guy that you saw if that right. turns out to be the one that you liked. Fine. Like dating. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Play the field. You can go back to the first one. It's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you'll know. So that's my first piece of advice. And then the other thing that I would say is the healthier you go into your surgeries, the faster you recovery. You recover. So if you have the ability to get yourself into shape, if you have the ability to do some cardio and some strength training, the healthier you go in, the healthier you come out, the faster you recover, the faster you bounce back and the faster you're back to your normal life. All of that is true. Great advice. Great advice. And the less complications, truthfully, the less complications you have, because if you've got if you've got the musculature to be able to get yourself out of bed and get moving and work your lungs and get your blood flowing, you know, less blood clots, you get the anesthesia out of your body faster. You just, you, it's just more beneficial for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like that you, um, based on everything you've said, you've worked on your fitness, you know, on purpose. It was very purposeful. Now that you've kind of been through all of this and you also rode your Peloton throughout, what was the community like for you? Were you able to interact with the community uh, and and were they supportive of you? I didn't really, none of my hashtags were breast cancer related or any kind of cancer related. And I had really actually just became sort of active in the Peloton Facebook group. 
Okay. I didn't even know there was a thing until recently. So there was community in that, you know, the high fiving while I was riding was pushing me, you know, forward and seeing someone in if it was a live class or an on-demand class and seeing who was in there now, having people above me that I was chasing or so, you know, so that, and that can be fun too. If you get someone who's chasing you, who high fives you after they pass or you pass them and they high five you. So there was that sort of support. I am not a person who needs some, I do not need a workout partner to work out. Mm -hmm. I do it number one, because I like the way I feel when I'm done. I know that it's good for me. So I don't necessarily need the community to keep me going, but it, or to keep me showing up, but it definitely keeps me going. Awesome. But after I made that post, which I struggled with even coming out and saying anything, the response was amazing. (laughs) It was out of control. So my teens were like, Mom, you've got seven thousand likes. <laughs> Holy like, cow! Hang on, I here's the real right, headline. You did something to impress a teenager? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I mean, somebody needs to put your name in the record books yeah. right now. <laughs> Mom's got some street cred now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's incredible. And that the, was pretty crazy. They, Even I was like, whoa. They'd probably take it right back, though. But I mean, it's Facebook. That's old people. <laughs> Do it on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically, it's basically Instagram for old people. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, well, and true. <laughs> well, if you would like some more followers, would you like to share your leaderboard name and how you came up with it? So my leaderboard name is Cycling to the number two sanity because I've feel I have always felt like um, exercising and in particularly cycling literally keeps me sane. I used to, my students, when I would come into the room and I would start the class and be like, all right, you guys, I've had a bad day. They're like, oh, if she's had a bad day, this is going to be a rough ride. <laughs> she's going to kill us. Because that's where I get out my aggression. I can walk in angry, pound it out on the bike and leave a much happier person. Yeah. I like to say that my bike is sort of your bike can tell you a lot about yourself, not just the numbers that it puts out, but when Cody tells you that you're getting ready to do 10 Tabatas, you're like few choice words for him, right? You're like, Oh my God, after a hill, now you want us to do some Tabatas. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm out. Right. Yeah. So what does that tell you about yourself when you're faced with something challenging that you might not feel like you're up for the challenge? Do you bail or do you gut it out? Yeah, you gut it out. I bail. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it you never a, got started. Yeah. So it was a- <laughs> <laughs> you bailed before. Yeah, you never got started. Exactly. So I, I feel like your your bike can tell you a lot about yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. know when you're getting on and half-assing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for the record, that's okay too. Sometimes you need to do that. And people Absolutely. You know, people sometimes beat themselves up for for that and and Half that's okay. It is better than what I do. Which is zero assing it. Right. <laughs> um Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Well, I I just want to thank you for uh taking the time to share your story with us and and spend some time. Uh I'm sure that the community will like your story and uh be excited to follow you. Um before we go, uh how can people find you on social media if you would like to be found? My Instagram page is open, so if you're interested in my journey, it's Leslie M like Mary Crabtree. So Leslie M Crabtree. And some folks from that 
from the Facebook page have found me on Instagram and actually three women I've been able to help. Aww, oh, wow. that's, that's so awesome. cool. So that's the whole. So thank you for letting me come on here and giving me another platform to talk about it, to raise awareness and to hopefully if someone is going through the same sort of thing I am, know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a long tunnel, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. I have no doubt that we will hear from people or you will hear from people that have questions for you. I, I yeah. have zero doubt of that. So it's awesome of you to share your story and and give that opportunity for people to ask you questions because there's always people going through things you just you don't know totally. and and they don't even know. Maybe maybe there's somebody who's not even realizing yet that that they're going to be going down this journey. They'll hear this and then it'll stick in the back of their mind and, you know. However long from now, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this. And or so. somebody that's at the very first step. They just got the diagnosed, but they're like, oh, I don't know if I can handle all that. And they hear it and they're like, OK, okay. That, okay. That, that's what it looks like. That's Maybe doable. I can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. My story is on Instagram. It, it's down there so you can see all my past stories. If anyone is interested in my journey, I did. I want to say chronologically. Chronicle. Chronicle. Chronicle thank you. <laughs> See, I'm in menopause. I can't even think anymore. <laughs> I did chronicle my journey on Instagram. So you can, if you go to my page, you can, if you have the time or the desire, you can, you can flip through them. And awesome. uh, and we will be sharing your uh, the links that you shared with me uh, for the videos. Those videos will upload those uh, in the blog whenever this all goes live as well. So people have multiple ways to be able to interact. So thank you. Cool. Thank well, you thank so you much for, for taking time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Well, I guess that's it for this one. What, pray tell, do you have in store for people next week? We are going to have fun talking to Bob Tremor, who we ah. he is our, our Twitter friend who has all kinds of Peloton information that he has dug out of the mainframe somehow. Yeah, we, we've talked about him in the past about just the he goes into the nether regions of the interwebs and finds out all sorts of interesting things. And it's about, all legal. Everything all legal. he's doing. He's not hacking anything, no. but he's just he knows how to read the code <laughs> in a way that I can like how I can read pop culture. And uh, <laughs> and so he always has little interesting tidbits. So he's going to talk to us about tidbits yep. and about uh, just a little high level insight and how he does what he does and uh, it'll be a good one definitely so uh, that's it for this one I guess until next time where can people find you people can find me on Facebook <laughs> I, I totally lost my train of thought I see that. Uh, people can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash crystal D. O'Keefe they can find me on Instagram Twitter the bike and of course the tread at clip out crystal and you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe you can find the show online Facebook dot com slash the clip out while you're there like the page join the group don't forget our youtube page youtube.com slash the clip out where you can watch all of these shows in full video glory and you can also uh what uh, sign up for our newsletter at the and wherever you're getting your podcast from be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode so that's it for this one thanks for tuning in until next time keep running and peddling <laughs> i tricked you you did <laughs>